Hi TJers, it's Joe Cook here and I am at Hash GP70 2010 and it's the launch of the Good Practice Research, the evolution of 70 2010 and I'm here with the lovely Owen. Owen, tell us just who on earth are you? Oh, that's an excellent question, Joe. I ask myself that <laughs> quite often. Uh, I'm Managing Director of Good Practice uh, and so uh, we are a company that uh, deliver a range of products to help people perform in organisations and we also, to help us uh, work with uh, our key target audiences and also to develop products for end users, we do an awful lot of research, uh, uh, primary research into um, what matters to them. And so the latest one is all about 702010. So in case you haven't heard of what 702010 is, can you just describe that for us in a nutshell, please? Sure. So uh, it, uh, at its heart, 702010 is a really simple concept. Uh, it is uh, a, a description of how some people learn naturally. Uh, so, uh, 70, so in terms of learning how to do their jobs, uh, uh, for uh, I would suggest more experienced people, 70% of how they learn how to do their jobs comes from um, experiential uh, or informal learning, 20% comes from uh, uh, social uh, connections and 10% comes from formal learning interventions. Um, so that's how I would describe it. Okay, other descriptions are available. <laughs> other descriptions, <laughs> multiple descriptions do exist. Yes, and we can fight about that on Twitter another day. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about why did you do this report? This is your second report about 702010. Yeah. So the the first report was all based on secondary sources, so we, we and it's been out for a few years, uh, and it was really aiming to be uh, a, a summary of what 702010 is uh, and uh, some idea of how it might help you shape um, uh, changes that you want to make to your L&D offering. Um, but it was all secondary sources there. Uh, and so this one is uh, different in that we wanted to, um, to go out and speak to uh, one of our key stakeholder groups, people who run L&D functions, and find out what are you doing in practice, right? What are you actually doing? So it's all very well listening to um, you know, people speak at conferences or uh, you know, uh, read thought pieces on, uh, on LinkedIn, but what's happening on the ground in organizations? What are people uh, finding challenging? Um, how are they adapting the relatively simple premise of 702010 and what kind of results are they getting from that? And you, you say you're about sort of changing our L&D offering. Why would we want to do that? Well, it's inherent in the nature. So uh, I read Informal Learning by Jay Cross uh, about 10 years ago now. Uh, and for me, what that book did was uh, shine a light on one of the things that I had been dissatisfied with uh, about L&D provision. Uh, and essentially, uh, one of the things that he outlines is uh, that um, the, the mix of how we've been delivering um, or focusing on activity has been skewed too far towards formal learning interventions. It's been overly uh, concerned about courses uh, and not concerned enough about supporting people in the workplace. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why people are looking to transform what they're doing is they're moving away from a course based formal uh, approach, not like not leaving it there and deciding not to do it at all, uh, but how do you support learning in the workplace? Uh, and 702010 is held out as one of the models that can help learning functions do that. 
Okay, so we've got a bit of background there, we understand that. You did this research, tell us really, really briefly, without being your methodology geek that I know you desperately want to be, really briefly, who did you speak to, what size companies were they, give us a flavour of that. Sure. So we spoke to learning leaders, people who are either running L&D functions or are, um, have significant responsibility within very large L&D functions. These are people working in mid to large size organisations, so typically a thousand plus employees up to 80,000, 90,000, something along those lines. Um, and uh, we, uh, we went deliberately out there to go and speak to people across a range of different sectors. So this is a qualitative piece of research with learning leaders across 11 different industries and four global regions. And you say it's qualitative. So as you, as I've messaged you privately about, and then you called out in your presentation. I did. I, thank you so much for that. I was just like, where are all the graphs? Yeah. So, so why do this as a qualitative piece of work and not the kind of the big numbers research that you've done before? Sure. So the uh, first thing is that it's a different kind of audience. Uh, and uh, the, the, the primary research that we have produced into the learning habits of managers and their, uh, and their perceptions of learning technologies. Um, uh, what you don't see, although what I've tried to put across when I, I talk about it, is the qualitative research that has gone on beforehand to get the insights that we then um, look to uh, dig into further with quantitative methods. So this is how research should work, is you do the qualitative stuff first, you f draw out and find themes and conclusions, a lot of which are incredibly valuable anyway, and then you go out and test uh, to find out to what extent do you, are you seeing these patterns across a much larger population. So this is a, a step in the research process, but it's important that you get that out there as well, because we might not follow this up with a quantitative study, uh, but there are things that I think are worth exploring further. Yeah, and of course somebody else can follow it up, it doesn't have to be you guys, Yeah, kind of waving the research flag all the time. So we've got this, this qualitative research and the report is full of quotes and, and maybe not anecdotes, but certainly people's experiences. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, what are some of the key findings from the, this report? If I can go at its broadest level, 70-20-10 has its critics. Uh, and no. <laughs> it does. Uh, I would least have placed myself among the more concerned end of the spectrum uh, because I think there are um, issues with, it, it can lead to confusion and it can lead to an overly prescriptive approach. One of the things that came through very strongly speaking to learning leaders is that they get it. Right? They know about the criticisms uh, and what they do when they're implementing 70-20-10 is they put in mitigations to handle some of that. Sometimes that's about um, rebranding it, so removing the numbers for how they communicate that to their stakeholders or to the wider organisation. Um, but they do other things as well to do that. Uh, and essentially what they have said uh, in, in you know, if I can paraphrase like the conversations across the piece that we've had, is that yes, 70-20-10 is a simplistic model, but it helps us get the point across. It acts as a catalyst for change, both within our function and also the wider business. Uh, it helps us to get a point across. Uh, and so they're not, there is no blueprint for how you implement 70-20-10. It is a simple idea, but it is an important catalyst. And it has got traction. Right? So it's there and it is being used by learning leaders in an awful lot of organisations now. Uh, and so I, sometimes I think that the 
the theoretical debates about where exactly do the numbers come from and are they accurate, we're maybe beyond that point now. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I, I completely agree with you. I mean, at Training Journal, we've done that whole L&D on trial series where we went back to those original pieces of research and went, yeah, that's not all that. Um, and how can we base an entire industry off of that? So I have to acknowledge that just like you do. Yeah. But at the same time, just because that was a very small sample of a very specific group and there were some conclusions drawn from that, okay, maybe the numbers aren't the, the be-all and end-all, but actually the concept and the drive behind that about making sure that we're supporting people how they actually work and learn, surely nobody can argue with that. Yeah, you would. Yeah, <laughs> or I, I'd like to think nobody would yeah, argue with that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And 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 I think that's that's how it's being positioned. So again, you know, I, I do. Um, if you look at the strict ratios, I do have concerns because that I don't think that applies to a novice audience. I think that formal learning has a really important part to play in getting people to competence uh, with reduced number of errors. You know, I, I mentioned it in the uh, in the, the launch session, but you don't want your surgeon blundering their way towards competence. But the learning leaders that we spoke to understand that, uh, and they are finding it a useful model to enact change within their function and throughout the organisation. And those are the people that are tasked with doing it. So it's all very well shouting from the sidelines, but our experience is that these people have a very nuanced, sophisticated understanding. It's not, uh, they are using other models and techniques underneath 7-2010 for how they actually deliver and, uh, and, and provide uh, for the organisation, but it's a, it's a really great change agent, and that's what they are finding. And I think a lot of that is about changing the understanding and the perspective and the actions of actually the L&D team. And I've chatted to a few people here at the launch today, not even about 702010, but maybe about performance consulting or action mapping or insert any other model framework or approach here that you want. And the biggest challenge they have is getting their L&D people on the right track first. Yeah and then bringing this out to the organisation. So is this um, report focused very much around supporting and helping L&D? It's a bit of both. So there's a, uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there uh, and uh, tips and suggestions about how you, how you can use 7 to 2010. So one of the key things um, that we've, we've pulled out is get it straight internally within your team first about what it means for both you as a function and how that might look different to the rest of the organisation before you go blundering out and talking about it. Um, so getting that straight and having conversations about it. And again, it's a, you know, I mean, we're finding this already between you and I, it's a conversation piece. You know, people are having debates around it and that leads to a more sophisticated understanding. So yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, where like we've got uh, we are drawing on the experience of people who are at various different stages with their their journey with using 702010 to change things uh, and we are presenting that and saying look here's what these people are finding and um, here's what's working for them uh, and whilst we're not saying a carte blanche you should like here's a map for exactly how you implement it like here's a bunch of stuff that you can test and try out and validate within your own organizational context and I think the fact that you've done this across industries is really important. Have you seen in, in the data, in the qualitative report that you've got, any differences in approaches between industries? Um, anything that you can draw out and say, well, actually, this industry, because of X, 
is maybe approaching it this way? Or is it all just actually each individual organisation to themselves? Yeah, it is organisationally context specific. So it, wouldn't it be really cool to be able to turn around and say yeah. financial <laughs> services are delivering it in this way and the construction industry are doing it in a completely different way. But yeah, if, if you could just write that report now, that yeah. would be great. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. So uh, we, we go where the data takes us. Uh, so we don't have preconceptions. We might have thoughts beforehand about what we might expect to see and certainly my expectations was for a more mixed picture of 70 2010 to come out but it is in general a really positive view about uh, it's making a difference to organisations, helping them to shift the learning culture within their organisation and helping them to get things done. And I really like that positive approach and that positive feedback that you've got. In reading the report, if I'm really, really honest, I'm not sure how much in there was new to me. I know a little bit about 702010. I'm no expert, but I know a little bit. And as I was reading through, it was certainly interesting. It was positive. There were great quotes from people that made me think. But is there anything that really jumped out at you as being new or or something that is a, is a really important share moment? Um, I think the value is in the detail. So, I, and this is a qualitative piece. Uh, and so uh, there, um, we are drawing together the experiences of learning leaders making use of this concept or this model. Uh, and so as much as possible, we've tried to frame that by using actual quotes from people who are doing the work. Is there anything shocking in there no, I wouldn't say so. Um, but I think some of the, the, the some of the patterns that are emerging, some of the things that we are identifying around, um, for example, the shift away from the ratios 70-20-10 to talking about it as experience, um, exposure, and education. That is, I, I think, um, it, it's being expressed clearly perhaps for the first time. So there might have been lots of people talking about experience exposure education, like what their support is saying is that there is a definite shift based on admittedly a small sample size, but that is a shift that's happening. Here's the reason why they've made those decisions and here's the, the benefits that they're reaping from doing that. So nothing shockingly new, but I think there's a lot of really useful stuff for people who are actually in, involved in delivering L&D within an organization. And I think also if you're at the beginning of that journey, like you say, trying to understand what it is, how to communicate it with not only maybe stakeholders and board members or senior people involved, but also your team and then more broadly across the organisation. I think there's richness yeah. in the report from that point of view. What about from the perspective of this name and this label? So there's a lot of conversation on Twitter, you know, uh, today around it's not just the numbers we've had that conversation a lot about 70 20 10 about maybe experience exposure education or other labels which people might use my sentiment my thought is that actually within our industry and i'm not talking within organizations rolling this out or using this we're probably always going to call it 70 20 10 because it's kind of what we've always known it to be and it's not like there's an organization that owns it that's going to put a massive rebranding effort onto it yeah um so, so is that a problem? Should it be a problem? Do we just rename it to something else and we're working on it in an organisation and, and that's fine? So 702010 has got this sticky 
aspect to it, like, and uh, uh, but not just it's not just sticky, but also like it's it's like a highly efficient virus. It transmits really quickly, and so it is already spread. Right, this is one of the things that we found is that it is out there and it is being used in some way, shape, or form to inform uh, you know new approaches to L and D. Can you know? Is it possible? Is it even possible to relabel it? I am not entirely sure about that. What we can do is influence. Um, how it's perceived uh, and certainly when we start to go out and speak to other stakeholders to have a really clear idea about how we are positioning that because you're absolutely right the numbers are a problem right uh, you know if it's not about the numbers someone should speak to the sub-editor who is responsible for writing the headline of the model uh, but it's there now uh, and it's out and I for a lot of people, I think it is a shorthand for something that is much less prescriptive than it would first appear when you look at the name of the model. Yeah, I agree, definitely. And on that note, I'm going to say, Owen, thank you very much. Where can people go if they do want to download the report? Uh, it will be available on goodpractice.com. Uh, and so uh, there's a, a section for L&D resources. All of our fabulous reports are available there. And I can concur that they are indeed fabulous. <laughs> um, and where can we find out more about you? Oh, uh, that's an excellent question. Um, probably the best thing is to follow me on Twitter, um, at Owen Ferguson. We also do a weekly podcast. I hesitate <sighs> to add that there are other L&D podcasts out there. I'm no, really sorry. No, surely uh, not. So uh, uh, the Good Practice Podcast, the, the cunningly named the Good Practice Podcast. Uh, was <laughs> it's almost a, a, like there's a marketing theme here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so a weekly show about work performance and learning. Uh, we get some amazing guests, uh, including people who have particular expertise in things like virtual classroom for example <gasps> who would that be oh, I, I couldn't possibly <laughs> mention and on that very positive note i'm definitely going to end now whilst i go pink thank you very much owen and good luck with the rest of your launch thanks Joel.